Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we talk about the film Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Good evening. How are you? I am tired. I went to this place that said that it was a city, but in fact it was a thousand planets, so it was quite big. You mean the London Planetarium? (laughs) Yes, exactly. That place in Greenwich with the big thing that you sit down in. (laughs) That's exactly where I went, yes. Have you ever been there? Yeah, no, I've been to the Planetarium. It's actually really good, isn't it? It's amazing, yeah. Can't be a planetarium. No, I thought you were just gonna say, "Yeah, I went to a city. It was boring." I went to a city. It was well rubbish. Well rubbish. No, it was a city of a thousand planets. Imagine that. That makes no sense, but somehow you can imagine it, can't you? <laughs> you can. And there, there is a reason why it is a city of a thousand planets, which we might explain in this episode. We, we might, might not. It depends on whether we remember or not. You've already mentioned it, so shall we just dive right in? Sure. People aren't used to it. It's going to freak people out. Shall we explain what? Shall we explain what the City of a Thousand Planets is? Yeah. So first off, this week's film, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, from 2017. I'm going to say. Yes. So very silly name, and I remember thinking that seeing the posters in 2017, like I don't know if that's really good or really bad. Looking at the poster. <laughs> you know what I mean? How do you feel now after watching it? Do you feel? I think it's really good. I really enjoyed this. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? Um, So, so Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. The the reason for the name Valerian isn't isn't, um, French. That's that's the proper French French pronunciation. um, Valerian. I think it might be in French. Yes, maybe. Je ne regrette (laughs) Valerian. I don't regret regret Valerian. Um, anyway, feel free to remix that if you want into uh, a new song. Um, yes, I finally got another new Rob song to work on. That always <laughs> makes me happy. Um, so I might have to get you to do a clean take at the end. So, so it's based on the series Valerian and Laureline. Wait, wait, I got it. No, je ne regrette Valerian. No, je ne regrette Luc Besson. Oh, that's yes. extremely good. Um, <laughs> okay, carry on. So, um, so it's based on a uh, comic series called Valerian and Laureline, which is about a pair of space cops. Um, a very strange, fun French sci-fi comic book series. Yeah, which I've never read any of them. Have you? No, I've not. I've not read them actually. Um, but it sounds like my kind of jam. Um. And the city of a thousand planets from the name is not a thousand planets crammed into a city, but instead a space station that humans created that got sent off into space 
and over time it's become this cultural hub hence the city of a thousand planets that there's people from a thousand planets a thousand planets are represented there which is a very cool idea and an idea that has been replicated in all sorts of different science fiction works since yeah because these are relatively old now aren't they the comics yes i think it was part of luke besson's childhood it, yeah, it started in the 60s um, and lasted all the way through to the early 2000s, I think, or mid, uh, maybe 2010, something like that. Um, and it's a really, from what I understand, it's a really interesting comic series where it kind of went against the hyper machismo of comics of the time and instead was more about um other kind of stuff that outside of that so talking about things like nature thinking talking about things like femininity uh, all sorts mm. of french stuff all the french stuff all the french stuff um and it's yeah I, it's really interesting this is in fact and i believe it still is the most expensive independent movie ever made yes that is correct entirely funded independently by luc besson who uh, directed it and wrote the screenplay. Our man, Luc Besson. Jean-Luc Besson. Jean-Luc Besson, our main man. (laughs) Our main man. Um, Director of various cool movies. We've previously talked about The Fifth Element, which is obviously uh, a a film to look at alongside this because it shares similar quirks to um, The Fifth Element, I think it's fair to say. Absolutely. The Fifth Element we talked about, so I should link to that episode, and that is a really fantastic film that I think we both really enjoyed um, and is a, an excellent sci-fi film that is quite weird and off the wall and is very, very uniquely his. And I feel like this film is kind of the, it's the next level up from that, isn't it? This is The Fifth Element on steroids, and this is something that he clearly wanted to do his entire life. And I love that so much, and that really, really does shine through for all its its faults. And you know, it's it's weird, and it's all over the place, and the pacing is very strange. And I think translating it's obviously a very, very long and epic comic book series into a film that is very long, but still probably only scratches the surface of what's in the comic books is is no mean feat. But his vision really shines through, and I I love that so much. It's it kind of yeah, it builds on the fifth element really well. I think doesn't it? Yeah, this fits into that category of amazing, strange science fiction movies, which you really only get when someone's willing to properly take the risk. So like The Fifth Element, like Jupiter Ascending, I think is a really good parallel to this movie as well, which is another movie that we both enjoyed. Um, It really has that similar attitude of, yeah, stuff in space is going to be weird, let's do weird stuff let's do vibrant stuff let's do all sorts of variety instead of just the same old guff over and over and sometimes that's to the fault of the movie where it sometimes goes a little bit too far um i think this i don't often think stuff that's a movie should be a tv series because i like a self-contained film Yes, And too much stuff is TV shows these days. Back in my day, we had films, and that was good. But now I've got to sit down on my Netflix or my Amazon, and I've got to watch 12 hours of this when it used to just be two hours at most, and I'm sick of it. Are you me? Is my rant. <laughs> but gen- genuinely, it's really irritating when you get stuff that like could have been a really cool TV show. 
but instead uh, it could have been a really cool movie but instead now it's in a in a serial format but this i think could have made a really cool tv show and there's so many brilliant ideas in this movie that would have been fantastic mandalorian-esque standalone adventures yeah absolutely no i i i have no time for television i don't watch television I read books, obviously. Because <laughs> you're a nerd. Because books are for nerds. Books and I'm are for a nerd. nerds. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I read comic books as well, which are also for nerds. What do you think is more for nerds, books or comic books? Um, comic books, definitely. Yeah. I don't know, because they've got pictures, which are inherently cool. Oh, that's true. Pic- pictures are good, yeah. Because no. for me, it goes, it goes moving pictures, the best. Yeah. Stationary pictures, still pretty cool. Words, bad. Mm, words are very bad, yeah. Everyone's talking about Chat GPT, you know, all these these bots. Why does it why does everyone want a, a bot that just makes words boring? <laughs> For nerds. Give us the freaky AIs that can't do fingers yet. Exactly. Yeah, six fingered people in, in all every image ever now. That's how it that's just how it is. That's how it is. All all other art is eventually gonna yeah. be wiped out and then aliens are gonna find us in like twenty thousand years time and all that's gonna be left is a hard drive with six fingers yeah. and they're going to find a skeleton and go oh this one must have been deformed it's only got five fingers and they're like normal lengths whereas we look at these records from this culture and they've all got six fingers and they're all incredibly long and intertwined but yeah wor- words words are bad don't don't look at words words, words are well rubbish watching a film like this um, makes you realize that you don't you don't ever need words there's so much happening. There was so much assaulting your eyes and watching a film like this in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. yeah that's the it's thing, a it's it? a feast. It's a, a spectacular feast for the eyes, isn't it? It is. And it's a really vibrant, really interesting film. There's lots of amazing directorial flourishes. But also there's some really great scenes. I think lots of people made fun of this movie, and we can talk about some of the reasons why people made fun of it in a bit. But that intro scene is brilliant the movie opens with two sets of astronauts from different countries meeting on a space station and shaking hands and it turns into this montage of different human astronauts meeting but then aliens meeting and continuing that handshake set to this, space oddity by david spa- bowie who, yeah set to space friend of the podcast david bowie <laughs> Which, which, which normally a movie set in space using space oddity would feel cliche. Yeah, but here it works, doesn't it? It works really well, and that opening scene with those handshakes showing this, um, this growth of friendship across the galaxy with human beings at this hub of it, I think is really interesting and powerful, and actually ties in thematically to the later story moments where that's undermined, and I think that really set the stage for what this film was all about really well. Yeah. And I, I think Luc Besson is someone who does not fear cliche. And I, I think that that comes across in his filmmaking. And actually, whenever he does something like that, you think, oh, well, it's part of this overall tapestry of stuff. And it's not kind of... D- the whole film doesn't hinge on it, does it? It's just the kind of the opening, isn't it? And I also think you didn't necessarily need it, as you say. It does tie into some of the stuff later on, but it's also not that necessary. Like, I mean, you you could start with the kind of in media rays of Valerian and Laureline in the spaceship heading to the mission, or them on the on the fake beach or whatever. Like, you could start, you could have started with that, or with the the guys on the p- planet Mule um, with the thing exploding in the sky. You could have started at any of those points and not had that opening scene, but it's a very very nice kind of like. Here's like I want I want you to have history. I want you to know about the history of this thing, and that's very important to me, and it shall be important to you. And I don't care if that's a cliche. 
Yes, yeah, exactly. It's it's it, you're right. He's someone who who leans into um, those kind of tropes sometimes, but sometimes does it in a there's an earnestness, isn't there, that kind of comes across. Absolutely. That I think is yeah, I think it's really really interesting. Yeah. So you got them all like saying a lot of aliens saying good morning and then and then we sort of get to eventually to the story about sort of 15 minutes in yes yeah that's when the that's when the um that's when the movie starts um is 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 really at that point and we meet our our duo and one of the reasons that people kind of bounced off this movie was our lead pair yeah um dane dehan and cara delavine which I can understand in a way, and there's bits about it that I don't particularly like, but there's also bits about them that I do like. How did you feel about? about I them? thought they did a decent enough job. I, I mean, I didn't. I thought their acting was a little bit off in some places, and she was a little bit wooden here and there. But she was much better than I, I was expecting. Um, not that I expected her to be bad either, having not really seen her act in anything. Um, I thought she was good. I thought he was fine. I know of him, but I don't think I've seen him in much either. I know he's the um, he's the new Green Goblin, isn't he? In some in the well, <laughs> yes, he's the, the new old Green new Green Goblin. Yeah, the 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 one that's no longer the Green Goblin, but was. How am I? He would he would have been good in that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think he, he he was fine. I didn't I didn't mind it. I think they did have chemistry. I think is the one thing I I I felt like when they were sort of. They were jibing at each other and sort of doing that thing where every, every time they're together, they're they're like flirting and saying funny lines back and forth, which I think is, I'd imagine that that humour probably rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way because they wanted this to be perhaps to be more serious than it was, or they felt like the film was kind of taking the piss a bit. Do you know what I mean? It feels like the film is taking the piss out of you a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's two prongs to why this movie did get the backlash against the acting that it got because people did complain about it one of them is that people don't like Cara Delevingne too much um as an actor I think she's a bit of a glass cannon you've got to know how to use her correctly in a things. glass cannon and I think this yeah so yeah, so, so someone who's got real yeah so uh, someone who's got real specific traits but has fragility in other places which is very easy to exploit is used in various circumstances so when you know how to so keanu reeves would be an example of a glass cannon as well where you know how to use keanu reeves in a movie you're going to get an amazing performance but if you try and put him in dracula <laughs> then <laughs> then you might not get what you expect i um, think that was as exactly as, I love as francis that. ford coppola intended <laughs> i mean i absolutely love his performance in that movie because there's this hokiness but lots of people complained about him and winona Ryder in that movie and again it's because that kind of baroque film is outside of the kind of things that they're normally. You know what's in. even an even bigger build upon that is him in Much Ado About Nothing. Have you ever seen that? No, I. Maybe not we should seen do that, that next. I've heard about it. We could do that at <laughs> next door at some point. Um, but Cara Delevingne um, is in the Suicide Squad adaptation, the first one that wasn't very right. good, and is all right in it. She's in Paper Towns, which people I like. Think I've seen that. Um, with um nat wolf yep. the guy whose name sounds like it shouldn't be a real <laughs> nat name. wolf and the idiot boys <laughs> um, <laughs> it's based on a book um, by john green whose work i, I enjoy yes that's right 
Um, yeah, but here I think she's fine. I think there's a cheesy quality, but clearly the atmosphere here is very much Han Solo and Princess Leia is the kind of relationship they're going for, which may well be the relationship of the two characters in the comics that we've not read. Yeah, well. and I would be very, very interested to see if that's how it goes down in the comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I think she's I think she's fine. I like Dane DeHaan. Um, he's been in some cool things over the years. Um, he's his breakout role was Chronicle, which is a very good superhero movie that's not really a superhero right. movie, like Super, like Super, exactly, very similar. So it's about these high school kids who they find a meteorite, I think it is, and it gives them superpowers. But it turns out that Dane DeHaan is. Um, he's bullied at school and he uses it to be to beat up his bullies and then eventually become a, a supervillain. And it's a really cool, it's a really interesting, it's 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 filmed in a found footage way. It's a very interesting take on that kind of thing. Um, also got Michael B. Jordan in it. Oh, who, sweet. You know, always, always good. Um, but then he's he's been in other stuff over the years as well. He was in Kill Your Darlings, um, the, the movie about killing darlings. Yep. Always in favour of killing darlings. <laughs> No idea what that actually is. Um, it's about the the beat, the beatniks, the beat generation. Oh right, okay. Um, and he plays um Lucian Carr. Right, okay. Um, yeah, it's about them, them, them beat boys. Kerouac and all his boys who never did an de- <laughs> honest day's work in their lives. And just bummed around <laughs> writing words. Exactly. They they were the ultimate nerds, weren't they? All they did was write words. <laughs> absolute nerds um but he's he's been in he's been in um all sorts of cool things over the years um a cure for wellness is one that i think we should look at at some point because that is a wild ride um and i think you will really enjoy it oh, okay um, i know nothing star- about uh, this. directed directed by gore uh Vabinsky, who did p- the pirates of the caribbean movies that were good okay and the ring and all sorts of other stuff and he made this like gothic mystery psychological horror film with a strong romantic duo in a like mental health facility (laughs) it's a real real wild ride um but yeah so he's been in all sorts of really interesting stuff over the years and i i like them in this i know that people didn't like them and i think part of it is that dislike of her part of it is that um that real sense of are they? Uh, this is too fun. I've grown up watching Marvel movies, and in Marvel films we get quips, but all the stuff that's happens is serious. It's just the actors who are doing the quips. But here we've got weird fishing blob men and shit like that, and and little lizard rats that poop pearls. Yeah, little, little pooping dragon boys. Um, and you got but- there the cheeky um <laughs> duck billed platypus guys <laughs> who lead you down to where the secrets are. Yeah. Um, whereas I th- and, and then I think the final thing, and I think the final thing that really was jarring with a lot of people was how deadpan and normal they are. Yeah. That they they have seen all this stuff a million times, and I actually like that, is they're not seeing all of these new things with a sense of wonder because they're they're galactic police secret agents. Of course they've seen weird blob men fishing. Yeah. Of course of course they've seen duck little platypus guys a million times. And their kind of deadpanness was it was so serious and deadpan that it went out the other side and became funny again as if it was exactly. a comic delivery, like a Stuart Lee routine. 
exactly. This is a Stuart Lee routine in movie format. <laughs> if it was a sci-fi, yeah. Um, but but yeah, you, you you know what I mean is th- these guys have been around the galaxy a long time. They've seen all of this stuff before, so of course they're not going to view it with a sense of wonder like the audience is. And I quite enjoyed that that they didn't go, oh my god, I'm here at the city of a thousand planets, or oh gosh, this rat just pooped a pearl. What Crikey. is a cortex jellyfish? It doesn't matter. Just <laughs> just let it happen. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I know exactly what I need from this situation. Or, or oh, I've accidentally run out of an airlock and now I'm falling to my death. Yeah. Hey, do you want to give me a hand here? All I wrote that, that down because that was so good. Uh, he yeah. just literally could, could be falling to his death and he says in the most deadpan way, can you help? Yeah, exactly. You you get this you you get this real sense that these are these are people who've been through everything. Nothing surprises them anymore. And I really liked that that attitude here because it doesn't happen a lot. Even even Jupiter ascending had the fish out of the water fish out of water character. Yeah. In Jupiter. And then you had um dog ear rocket skates and obviously he knew everything that was going on. There is so much stuff packed into this film that it makes Jupiter Ascending look like a like a mumblecore film. <laughs> it makes Jupiter Ascending look like an Andrew Bajalski film. It really does. It really does. This is everything. Um, I would love to know how many comics of Valerian and Laureline were referenced in this movie. Yes. Because... Because I'd love to know, like, were, were these comics that he picked up over his childhood? And he's like, right, I'm going to take the blob men from here. I'm going to take the poop, the poop rat from here. I'm going to take the the dancing jellyfish woman from here. And we're going to chuck them all in together and make a coherent story out of it. Yeah, this one's got a pimp in it. So obviously we'll have him. <laughs> we'll have the pimp. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I would love to know exactly how many movies, uh, how many comic book runs of valerian or 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 plot lines were were taken to create this yeah and that's without saying that the main plot of this movie of course which is there's a bunch of avatar guys on a planet yeah let's be honest they're (laughs) avatar guys but they're fish avatars so it's it's not the same they're 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 beach avatars they're beach avatars it's avatar in hawaii and they live a, a happy little life and they've got these lizard rats and when you feed a lizard rat something it poops replicas of that thing so you feed it a pearl it poops a pearl you feed it a magic energy pearl and oh boy do you get a lot of magic energy pearls that's how this movie properly starts you on get the planet the, mule which is which is funny mule. as well because a mule <laughs> is like a donkey <laughs> Um, so, so what you get is you get this intro scene with the handshakes. Then you get Rutger Hauer for five seconds. I know, must have been one of his last roles. Absolutely perfect. Rutger Hauer is perfect in everything. And then from that, you go to glittery fish people and their weird little lizard rat friends that shit magic pearls. Zero context given, and then stuff starts falling from the sky, and it's on fire, and then the world gets destroyed. <laughs> Yeah, and that's our introduction to this movie. They blow what, up your home planet of Mule. <laughs> what? What? What from the better? What better introduction could you have um, than that? Um, and then there's some kind of weird psychic connection that gets made between our main man Valerian and the dead princess of the Avatar fish beach people yeah which is more or less forgotten about while they do some sort of space cop capers and then it's it comes back at the most important moment when he needs to punch clive owen about it (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly exactly it doesn't doesn't really doesn't really come up a lot the weird psychic connection but but they do yeah they do stumble across this 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 uh, galactic conspiracy where clive owen's a bad guy spoiler alert clive owen's the bad guy <laughs> if you couldn't tell from the first moment he appeared in the movie that he was going to be the bad he guy. he really did not look like clive owen did he though he sort <laughs> no, of it well, was like they elongated his face but he's in a posh he's in a posh boy outfit yeah. He's in a posh military. Normally, normally he's in like a rough little coat and goes. He's like a gruff man in a trench coat. I'm Clive he's got Owen. two guns and he's jumping through the air. I'm Clive Owen. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> a man never without at least one pair of sunglasses on his person at any yeah. moment. Um, <laughs> but I kind of loved that. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it's great. Um, and um, but yeah, so so they stumble on this big old galactic conspiracy, and they've got to help save the surviving fish people, and they've got to uncover all of these mysteries. But at the same time, it's really about traveling around and seeing what weird freaks exist in the galaxy. Exactly, and yeah, as you say, it, it very much feels like a grab bag of all the cool shit that's in the comics. It, it definitely feels comic booky, doesn't it? But not marvelly. And I'm glad you mentioned the Marvel thing because. The fact that this film did not do that well and that people did mock it or whatever and people didn't, I think it wasn't well understood. And I think part of that is because the marvelification of cinema is so deep. And even even then, you know, six years, five, six years ago, it, it still is so deeply embedded, not just into like comic book films and sci-fi films and whatever, but into cinema as a whole and into culture as a whole. People go into these kinds of films with a lot of expectations of it being like that. And as you say, it's it's not afraid of cliche. It's not afraid to be funny. It's not afraid to be weird. As you say, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And obviously, the, the as much as like there is some goof to a lot of Marvel-type films, they do take themselves way too seriously. And I think people just have that expectation, don't they? So the fact that this subverts that, I love yeah no absolutely it 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 is a a one-off i mean i would have loved it if this movie had got a sequel i would have loved it if this had made a a billion dollars and we'd had another valerian movie it would have been awesome but we didn't um but i love that it is this standalone thing we should do a um like a fan-led kickstarter for it like those guys who want to make the last remake the last jedi or whatever we should get all those people and the people that that want to to take the snyder verse into public domain and start making more diverse movies or give it to Zack snyder or whatever the hell they want now who knows and, the, and the, they've got so got them and then we've got the people who want to release the butthole cut of cats that's quite a big <laughs> yeah. this, this is turning into quite a large venn diagram of people who i think would be on side yeah i think we're gonna have a lot of people on board but i did see something really depressing the other day about marvel movies um so the third ant-man movie is coming out right there's a second Ant there Man. is there's ant-man then there's ant-man and the wasp and now there's ant-man 3 oh that's right the, the man and the wasp the that just sounds queen. like a folk duo <laughs> or, yeah. or, or, or a really bad i mean that's that's kind of catfish in the bottle man isn't it yeah <laughs> supported I'm by out, ant-man I'm and, Man, the and this is the wasp and here's a song about how we went out club in and now we're an indie band one two three oh <laughs> i gotta stop laughing um, so i get a clean take of that to do a song <laughs> nah it's all right separate channels in it separate channels exactly um <laughs> but but yeah what was that oh yeah so so you'd think right okay this is the third ant-man movie this is going to be the end of the ant-man trilogy you're wrong what people have been saying from previews is 
oh this movie's great because it offers no closure to ant-man and instead is the first like one of the early parts of the next era of marvel movies and you'll have no idea what happens at the end so you can't wait to see what happens in the next few movies so we can get some closure it's like i don't want that from a film Ugh. why would i why would i want to watch ant-man one and two to then get zero closure in ant-man three only using it as a jumping off point to like 10 more fucking movies with dick man <laughs> and the, the 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 great bull destroyer or dick man and the, the bulls hell, yeah whatever the hell they've got planned next from the next z-list marvel character that they're dredging up to keep making these awful films why would you want that why would you want films about closure yeah, and the Valerian comics are just sitting right there. Luke Besson's <laughs> sitting at home doing nothing. Sure, you know. Give what we're saying is give Luke Besson Ant Man and tell him to rip up the source material to make it about space dudes. Literally, he's gonna take the, like one of the trade paperbacks and just tear it in half in one in one smooth move. But but you know what I mean. Like I I read this this preview and someone genuinely is not criticizing it based on that, but being excited based on that and thinking, what the hell has Disney Marvel done to cinema that people are now excited about movies that give you zero closure? That the only thing they do is set up the next bit of content for you to consume. Yeah. Like what is what is the point of movies if you never get a good story? Because the story is never ending. They've they've comic bookized movies. And that's really depressing because, as we all know, comic books eventually go weird and terrible and they have, like, alternative dimensions and weird, like, oh, sorry, Batman, but actually I'm your secret stepbrother and now I run a uh, uh, an evil conglomerate of owl people. That's genuinely something that happens in, in the Batman series. Owl people? Now, I'm, now, I'm, now you're talking they're, my language. They're, unfortunately, they're not real owl people. They just wear owl masks. It's, oh, so this is PJ Masks, basically. You <laughs> know that kids' show? Yes, yeah. The night time um, is the right time to fight crime. It, they're called the Court of the Owls, I believe. Um, and it's like his secret stepbrother, and he's angry at Batman or something like that. And it's like, <laughs> that's what you get when you run out of ideas in comic books. That's and the thing. You've just got Every, to keep going. Everything in one of these stupid Marvel films can be boiled down to something like that, can it? You can explain any of those films in a sentence like that that is boring. He's his secret stepbrother and he's angry about something that happened when they were five or whatever. Like, this, all of it can be explained like that. Whereas try explaining Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets in a single sentence like that. You cannot. Cool dudes do stuff in space. That's all you need to know about a movie like Valerian. Cool dudes do stuff in space and it's colourful and wacky and <laughs> in your face and funny and beautiful for two and a half hours. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, that's what's great about it is, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that makes zero sense here. There, is, yeah, there are a few instances of telling the plot and the characterization to each other. There's some, yeah. as you know, Bob, or whatever, but it doesn't matter, does it? No, because it's fun. And it tells it tells a story that ends and it has some explosions and it has Clive Owen getting punched. Yeah. It's good. I'm sorry, Pete. I know people didn't like this movie very much, but this is a good movie. I, I loved this. I thought this was brilliant. I would watch it again any day. Any day and, of the week. And it is a shit piece. I think it's fair to say that this movie is yes, a shit piece. Yes, definitely. This is, I mean, Jupiter Ascending, I think, will always be the the shit piece the quintessential. Jour, the quintessential shit piece but this is this is this is has all the the right elements doesn't it it's 
it's a masterpiece, but it's definitely very all over the place. But the, the thing that I always come back to with shit pieces is ambition, isn't it? Yeah. This is an extremely yeah. ambitious film that comes from a director's singular vision executed in a very beautifully chaotic way. Exactly. Exactly. This is what would happen if Tommy Wiseau had talent and made a sideline movie. <laughs> yeah. You've got that sheer force of will that creates this. And it's like, you can just see Luke Besson sitting at home thinking, you know what, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna cast jazz legend jazz legend Herbie Hancock in this movie for no fucking reason. The cast is so random. It feels like it was pulled out of thin air by an AI, doesn't it? All those names on the poster (laughs) together. You're like, okay, he's like the chief defense minister of the galactic government or something. (laughs) It's just played by Herbie Hancock for no reason. It reminds me of when they were going to cast Mick Jagger in um, in the the original idea for for June alongside. um, Oh, what's the name of the the artist? Oh, was he going to be Sting? Was that going to be Jagger? Yeah, I think that was originally going to be... Oh, it deprived be... us of... It was, wait, it was going to be Mick Jagger with the codpiece. Well, this was back in this was back in the 70s. Um, and and the, <laughs> the original casting was going to have Mick Jagger in it and Salvador Dali was going to... Oh, that's right, in, yeah. In... In... Um, uh, in... In... In the... Oh, who was, who was it going to be? I don't know. I'm just playing some Herbie uh, Hancock here. <laughs> yeah, that's the chameleon, isn't it? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It was. It was. Um, what's his name? Alejandro Hodorowsky. Oh was yeah, it? that's the name. Um, who, the guy who wrote the insult. Who? Who? Um, yeah, exactly. Who went on? Went on to do uh, to do the incel, <laughs> as you so correctly put it. I just can't get that out of my head. The book is sitting on my shelf behind me, and I haven't read it yet. It's uh, on my to-read list. The Incal, it's called, yes. isn't it? Um, Which the film is coming out, is it soon? At some point it's coming out, isn't it? Taika Waititi's The Incel. Yeah. Who, his last film apparently wasn't very good, so I'm a bit dubious. Yeah, he's people are starting to not like him anymore, which is a shame. Yeah. What was his last one? I haven't seen any of his superhero ones, and I don't have any interest. It was a, so. it was a superhero one. It was a Thor. Oh, that's right, um, yeah. A Thor movie, which is weird because his previous Thor one people liked. God of but Thor, Jojo Ragnarok. Rabbit was good. I think that's the last one of his that I saw, actually. And that we talked about on this show. I loved it. Um, and then he's done Our Flag Means Death, which I've been meaning to watch. I've heard nothing but good things about I've heard that. very, very good things about, which we should, yeah. we should watch. And I think it's finally on BBC now. Yes, it is. Which he's in that, but he didn't create it. I don't know whether he had any writing involvement at all. Yeah. And I think Reese Darby is involved in it somehow. Yeah, as well. he's one of the he's one of the stars. Always good. Um, but yeah, people people have have been going off him a little bit, but we'll see. We'll see. It happens to everyone. It does. Um, but yeah, especially so, if so, you're a space cop. Especially if you're a space cop. But yeah, um, and Alejandro Hodorowsky's um, June was going to star Salvador Dali and um, and Mick Jagger. That's right. And didn't Mobius do a bunch of drawings for it? Like yes. a bunch of conceptual art? Yeah. Yeah. So right. I think they had him and... Oh, no, it was H.R. Geiger was going, oh, well, to, was going to be the drawer. The man... The drawer. <laughs> the man, That's the official term. And then I think... The man most famous for making Jonathan Davis's tip microphone. Yeah. 
exactly. Um, and then I think uh, I, I think Mobius was going to be involved as well, or, or was involved in some of the drawing as well. Maybe he was going to do the um, the the good guys, and HR Gargi was going to do the bad guys, or something like that. That makes sense. And then and then the music was going to be by Pink Floyd, and Mick Jagger was going to be in the cast, and Awesome Wells was going to be in the cast, and Salvador Dali, and it That's was going right. to going to last like nine hours. Um, and then it didn't get enough money to be made. So everyone parted ways and went on to make things like Star Wars and Alien instead, using the ideas that they started building from 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 um, from this movie. A really fascinating production that yeah, failed yeah. and really helped pave the way for various different strands of science fiction. A very important part of cinematic history. And, you know, there, there is definitely some a very a, a rocky and jagged path from that to Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, I will say. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a, there's a similar sort of... Um, this is someone's passion project to make something really, really powerful and strange, I think. Yeah. And, 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 and that really shines through. And based on a quite epic source material. Yes, yeah. Um, and I wonder if it could have been less difficult if they had limited the plot a little bit into something less, shove it all in. But at the same time, I quite enjoy that it has so much weird stuff shoved in it. And that's the thing, having recently talked about Avatar, I think that's quite an interesting comparison as well, mm. because completely different, very, very serious, very a bit po-faced, you know, doesn't really contain many jokes, even though it thinks that it does. Um and we, we talked about James Cameron being a populist and someone who is very into the spectacle. And I think this what's great about this is that this is a spectacle as well in a completely different way, not in a way that it wants you to marvel at the beauty of some epic scene. It's more that like, here's this cool siphon thing now and here's this cool thing now and suddenly they're underwater and they're looking for a jellyfish cortex and now there's a pirate. And <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I love that. that they, it brings a completely different energy but the the aim of producing a spectacle is more or less the same, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very different kind of spectacle, but um, but one that is still really enjoyable. But I I think it's got less of that populist angle that James Cameron has, where he's telling this story that people can relate to, and instead is just here's a load of weird stuff. Have yeah. it. in the same way that the Fifth Element had a similar kind of kind of thing going on. Yeah, and why the Fifth Element I think was very successful, but is is now it's it's kind of a cult classic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and but I would rather is... watch Valerian than Avatar, given the choice. I would as well, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, rewatching Avatar, it was fine, but um... I want something that's going to singe my eyeballs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want somewhere on and go. Well, that was something. <laughs> that's, that's something definitely happened just then. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the supporting cast because they're all we've got loads of big names in random positions in this movie yeah all thrown together and you think we're like an hour and a half into this film and suddenly ethan hawk shows up and then suddenly rihanna shows up and you're like is this going to be a big part of the plot and then 15 minutes later rihanna's dead and you never see <laughs> yeah. Ethan Hawke again it's so like, okay yeah so, so let's talk about let's talk about do you want to talk about the main the, the supporting cast first or do you want to talk about rihanna first because i think rihanna in this movie deserves a separate yeah, she um, <laughs> she's elevated above supporting cast, doesn't yeah. she? Um, as so, bubble. So so we've mentioned Clive Owen as uh, commander, commander, Chief, Batman, grumpy, 
grumpy bad man. But then you've got Ethan Hawke as Johnny Commander, the it's the economy, stupid. <laughs> Exactly. We've got Ethan Hawke as Jolly the Ethan Pimp. Pork. Ethan Pork. We've got Ethan Hawke as Jolly the Pimp. Turns up for five minutes, never seen again. Amazing performance from him. He's just there and chewing the scenery. Absolutely perfect. Um, you've got Rutger Hauer for about a minute. You've got the voice of John Goodman for about a minute. Yep. Because <laughs> so, uh, I, I was watching it. He plays a, he plays a big CGI space pirate man. And I was, yeah. I was listening to the space pirate voice and I was like, is that John Goodman? And yeah. I had to look it up and was like, that is definitely John Goodman. And then, and then he says like, oh, I'm going to track you down, Valerian. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, so this is going to be like one of the key bad guys and he's going to reoccur various times throughout the movie. No, he doesn't. Nope, never shows up <laughs> never again. Never shows up again. He's just there for one scene. <laughs> um, you've got Elizabeth Debicki as the voice of the, the leader of the fish people. Um, you've got Matthew Kasovitz as the guy who... who um, I love that guy. And, and he's the guy who goes and catches the, the underwater space psychic jellyfish. Yeah, he's in all of Luke Besson's films, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's a rule. It's it's a rule, and yeah, so so it's it, it's this amazing cast of people in these all these minor roles, and they're all really good fun. Um, but then you've also got Rihanna, who I think deserves a special mention. Yep. for one of the strangest scenes I think I've ever seen in a movie. But a fantastic performance, yeah. I think, really, really inhabited the character and just did a great job bringing her personality to it, but also yeah, doing exactly what that character needed. So she is a jellyfish creature, sort of, like a yeah. tentacle or like a, a space squid, maybe. What do you reckon, yeah, jellyfish, I, space squid? I've, I'm going to say squid because I hate jellyfish. Very okay, evil. she's a she's a space squid who has like morphing abilities. So she takes on this human-looking form when Dane DeHaan is in the room, um, and does this this like erotic dance where it's she a changes sexy dance costumes. Scene. Yeah, and 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 all of this kind of stuff, and it's just like, and and it lasts a solid two or three minutes, doesn't it? Oh yeah, scene? yeah. Because of course, there's a bit where they go to CD Pimp Town. Yeah, they, which they has to happen to... in every every sci-fi film. <laughs> yeah, so so they go here. They go to and... the wretched hive of scum and villainy, and there's a remi- a sexy remix of Staying Alive playing, and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm down with this. And then you 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 reach this scene where Rihanna is a space squid and she does a sexy dance. And of course you watch it in real time. It's not like a montage of it or just a a sneak clip of it. No, in this movie where you have no idea what's going on, we're going to, we're going to use a solid three minutes of that runtime, not to tell you what's going on, but instead you just get to watch this, this erotic dance. Um, And it turns out that she's a, she is the space squid who wants to escape and live a life of freedom. So she goes off with Valerian and there's probably my favourite scene in the movie with the weird um, blob people who fish. And um, they capture Laureline. They capture Cara Delevingne's character. And they're going to eat her. But they don't just eat her. They like put her in this weird costume where her head is showing through the top yeah. of this massive hat. <laughs> and then the the, 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 the the emperor of these people... The like, greedy fish king. <laughs> greedy fish king like um squeezes a giant space lemon on her brain (laughs) and then he's about to cut it off with a giant like lemon cutter thing yeah it's it's like like one of those fancy boiled egg clippers yeah (laughs) um um, and when you describe all this stuff it sounds so weird doesn't it but it 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 sounds like we when it's on the screen in our houses when we're talking about it (laughs) 
<laughs> but it does work when it's in front of you and it's like oh, okay so these people's culture is that they they fish off the edge of this rock they capture things that grab onto um they're, they're like anglerfish essentially yeah um, working the same way as anglerfish they grab onto the lights they get pulled up and then they get eaten okay i could understand this weird culture of of, of blobby fishmen now um but um but yeah it, it's it's super bizarre and then you think okay well I guess Rihanna's going to be a part of this now, at least for a little bit until she gets her freedom. No, she's dead. Yeah. They they fall through a hole and then she goes, oh, I must have been injured and then dies. <laughs> you never saw her getting injured in that fight with all, all the fish guys, but you did have a bunch of like dubbed sassy lines from her throughout the fight to help yeah. punctuate it. And it's just, it's it's so strange, so weird. And I'm very glad it exists. Yeah, it's um, fantastic. <laughs> But it's 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 super weird and it it completely breaks the pacing of the movie and there's a few scenes like that that really break the pacing um it, it starts okay so yeah the beginning is a bit odd because you get the little intro that sets up the world then you get the 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 space avatars getting getting destroyed but then you've got the sort of initial heist where they go to the desert planet they enter the alternate dimension market and that all kind of works and you're like okay so this is setting it up where they're doing this kind of heist thing they're getting this thing and then that's going to kick off the adventure which is really the romantic tension between them which is very fake but still kind of a nice fun fun thing that's tacked onto the film isn't it yeah yeah um but 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 that that whole side of the pacing kind of works, and you think, okay, this is now going to kick off the adventure. But instead, you kind of do get these episodic elements throughout the movie, and so the whole Rihanna bit is like an episode in its own right, where where Cara Delevingne's gone to save Valerian, but then she gets captured, and then he has to save her. So it it makes zero it makes zero relevance to the overall plot of the movie it is just kind of this standalone story arc in the middle of it for no reason yeah and no reason other than it's cool uh no reason other than it's cool so it so it does have this weird episodic quality to this movie which is why i think maybe this would have been better as a as a tv series where you could have had at the end of the last episode dane dehan crashes his space bike yeah and and then cara delavine gets kidnapped and then after that that then kicks off this whole episode, and we spend a whole episode on the the, the fishing blob men, and, yeah, uh, who who grow space giant space lemons to to eat people's brains with, yeah. <laughs> um, not before there's been a kind of un- submarine bit looking for something, yeah. The the jellyfish thing, I keep coming back to it, but it kind of oddly reminded me of that bit in the Phantom Menace where they have to yeah. go in the submarine and the thing really eats them. And I was like, is he taking the piss out of the Phantom Menace? Because if so, that is awesome. But I I, I think it it does have kind of similarities to Phantom Menace. And I'm going to say something controversial. Phantom Menace is the best prequel movie. Yeah, that's not unfair. I think it's 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 the stupidest of the three. Now and uh, again, now that we've seen a few shit piece sci-fi films and that we have established this kind of canon of sci-fi shit piece, can we reevaluate the Phantom Menace as a shit piece? Oh, absolutely we can. It's it's a really incredibly strange movie with all of this stuff thrown into it. And again, that's got this kind of weird episodic feeling to it. Like the pod race thing. I love the pod racing. It's, is is brilliant. We and had it, the pod racing game on the Nintendo 64 oh man, and I loved it. Game. Kids these days will never understand that. That video game was the best. It yeah. was so good. Me and my dad used to play that for hours. It's truly amazing. Truly amazing game. And And you had some really great 
um you had some really great star wars video games from that era onwards um like i really love the jedi knight games i don't know if you ever played any of them no i've seen bits of them they, they look fun yeah and they're, they're really great um really great games um but yeah the 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 the, the I think we can definitely consider episode one a shit piece. I'm not sure whether we can consider episode two and three. No, too serious. They yeah. take themselves way too seriously and they have too much serious Anakin um, energy. Yeah, <laughs> it's the big thing, isn't it? Whereas the first one, I think, is incredibly weird. And I, when I think about rewatching Star Wars movies, I'm always up for rewatching the original trilogy. And I'm pretty much always up for rewatching. The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, I'm, I'm generally up for rewatching The Last Jedi, but less so since The Rise of Skywalker came out, because yeah. every time I think about that movie, it makes the previous Star Wars movies worse somehow. Because um, <laughs> you know that somewhere in the background, Palpatine was having sex. <laughs> exactly. Um, but when I think about what movie I'd rather watch next out of... Um, you know, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, The Force Awakens. I forgot that one's name then. That's how memorable <laughs> it is. Um, and The Rise of Skywalker. I think I'd probably most rather watch um, the, the the Phantom Menace out of the others. Because yeah. it's just so goofy and weird now, and has this nostalgic racing. place. Yeah, I, I do have a bit of weird no- nostalgia for The Phantom Menace. Yeah, I saw it in the cinema when I was a kid. It's an enjoyable movie. And I feel like there is a very small through line from that to Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. And I do feel like that submarine thing was was sort of taking the piss out of the Phantom Menace a bit. Yeah, I think I think it might be. I think it might be. Or alternatively, it wouldn't surprise me if Luke Besson's never even seen the Phantom Menace. Yeah, of course. And it's like, what I is this? What is Star Wars? I do not know this. I don't think he's ever seen a sci-fi film. I grew, he just made the I grew up on Valerian and Loredan. I do not understand what this what this Star Wars is. Yeah, we did not get these um, these American movies when I was a child. I think the Fifth Element came to him fully formed. <laughs> That's the myth I want to believe. <laughs> he, yeah, he'd, he'd never. The only thing he'd ever done is read valerian as a kid and that's the only time he'd ever interacted with science fiction whatsoever when he decided to do the fifth element yeah um but yeah it's it's a it's a very strange movie um there's one thing i wanted to highlight which is pretty much right at the end of the movie our main character valerian says i play by the rules and motherfucker, you have literally done nothing in line with the rules in the entirety of this film. Literally every time someone's told you to play by the book, you've gone, nah, mate, you're all right. I'm going to go and do my own thing. And and there's the odd line of dialogue like that in this movie that it is kind of jarring like that. Yeah. Where you're like, that does not make sense even within the He does what he wants this. all the time, but when it's important to advance the plot that he's a straight-laced space cop, then yeah, he's very, very <laughs> happy to say that to your face on camera, isn't he? Yeah, there's the odd bit of dialogue here and there where within the within the very loose logic of the movie, even within that looseness, it kind of jars with you. And and so there there are a, a few moments here and there, and I wonder whether there was a bit of shuffling around in development, shuffling around of the script to make things fit. That maybe is why some of those things snuck through. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't know what they left out. Yeah, 
yeah, maybe there's a, maybe there's a scene where he gives someone a, a parking ticket for parking their spaceship in the wrong place or something like that. <laughs> yeah, in the wrong dimension. But they did include <laughs> Clive Owen having his kind of like, why did the bad guy do the bad thing speech and going basically, it's the economy, stupid. Yeah. Uh, the, it would have crushed great. the economy. He said he ba- really he, angrily. He ba- yeah, it's basically like, <laughs> do you want us to lose lose PR in the, in space? If we did that, then then we'd be be fine for genocide. Yeah, so. I had to kill this planet because otherwise our GDP would only have grown by 0.1 percent. Is that what I'm, you want, you socialists? I'm sorry, but Space Keir Starmer <laughs> told me to do this because he had a focus group of five divorced men in their fifties, and they all said that they wanted us to commit genocide. So it was completely out of my control. <laughs> you noticed that I was doing the, the Keir Starmer voice. He was kind of a Space Keir Starmer, wasn't he? <laughs> It's exactly Space Kid Starmer. That's who. That's who Clive Owen is. That's that should be the quote on this movie's posters. This movie from 2017. If you want to see Kate Space Kid Starmer getting his shit kicked in by a nerd, then this is this is the movie for you. That sounds like the kind of film we would write, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Space Boris Johnson, but I feel as though if you're going to commit space genocide, you should at least do it in an economic way that's good for British business. Yep. That That's Clive Owen's character in this. I'm not sure who Space Boris Johnson would be. Maybe, what, what, maybe one, that's of those who, big, one of those maybe, big pig guys in the market. <laughs> or maybe that's who, maybe that's who Rutger Hauer is. Maybe he's oh, no. Space Boris Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Not the the guy who was going to eat Cara Delevingne's head like a lemon. Oh no! Actually, that guy did have big Boris Johnson energy. Yeah, yeah, that's who Space Boris Johnson is. He would he would have committed the space genocide as well, but he wouldn't have done it in an economic way that made sense. No. I'm sorry, but that but but our focus groups are telling us that if we're going to do this, we need to do it in a way that tightens Britain's belt buckle, tightens space Britain's belt buckle. Um, anyway. This whole city has a thousand planets, and one of them has to be like Britain. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, but under under space labor rule, this city would only be 900 planets, and I'm afraid you've lost control over illegal space immigration. I'm sorry, but that is just uncalled for, and it's harming hard-working British taxpayers. That's exactly it. Space Space Keir Starmer, Clive Owen, he just wants to take back control, doesn't he? <laughs> He's trying to beat the space Tories at their own game. Uh, (laughs) Exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, so yeah, Space Um, Clive Owen says that thing about the economy and then they beat him up. And then she says to him that he doesn't know what love is and then he gives them back the shitting dragon boy. Um, And then he asks her to marry him and she says, maybe. (laughs) And that's how the movie ends, with a maybe to, to a marriage proposal. What more could you want? Yeah. Um, so, so this movie did not. People call it a box office bomb, but it did make its money back. Yeah, it it wasn't a, it wasn't a flop. It made its money back okay. And um, when you critics, think about how much it did cost to make, that is an achievement, isn't which it? Which is an achievement because this cost a lot of money. Um, it was what two hundred million. I think more. I'm not sure. But... I think I think it was about two hundred million dollars, dollary dues to to make, and I French think it made back. I think it made back 220. So it made a little bit of a profit. Um, and that's all people, Luke Besson's money. 
That's all going directly well, yeah, he, to the pockets he, of Luke Besson. Yeah, because he got these 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 private financiers in to help support him. He didn't do it through um, through the traditional model. And uh, yeah, kudos making the most expensive, you know, independent movie of all time and making your money back on it. Critics did not like it at all. Um, well, some did. The person writing for RogerAbert.com enjoyed it a lot, oh, which good. is a good sign. Saying that it was a film filmed with uh, filled with humor, charm, excitement, and so many memorable images that many viewers will find themselves struggling to keep from blinking so as not to miss any of the eye-popping delights crammed into each overstuffed frame. And I think that is actually a really good explanation of what this movie is. I like that. That's yeah, good. Uh, it's a really good explanation of what this film is. Well done, Roger Ebert. Yeah, the the the, the ghost of Roger Ebert. Yeah. Who um who who runs it now? Um, I'm trying to find if our most hated person. Oh no, our most hated person didn't review this. Movie. Oh what? Um, which is a, a shame. Cause I, would have, I, would have, <laughs> I would love to see the reaction here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make him watch it somehow. At least it's, it's not coming up on Metacritic. I'm gonna um, like trick him into thinking he's going to see some highbrow film in the cinema and then put this <laughs> on instead. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a French film. Like, oh, it's a new, Vivian it's a new Jean Luc Godard film. <laughs> He's, isn't Jean-Luc Godard dead? Yeah, it's so, been found in yeah. the vaults. It's yeah. called Valerion et la Cité des Mille Planètes. Yeah, oh, it sounds good. Yes, yeah. it's about a, a baker who finds love whilst on holiday in Morocco. That's what it's about. Um, yeah, so so um, yeah, people didn't like it very much. It got a fair few negative or middling reviews. I think with audiences, it got a little bit more of a positive reception, and people enjoyed it more. Those who did go to see it, and a fair few people did go to see it. Like I said, it made two hundred and twenty million dollars. Yeah, which isn't anything to be sniffed at. No, I think they they advertised it well, and they spent a lot on marketing. I remember there being like posters at every bus stop I walked past. Yeah, in that yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think I think it's probably one of those movies that over time might get a little bit more of a positive cult following yeah. as well. I think it's fair to say. I think so. Um, much like The Fifth Element. Yeah, much like much like The Fifth Element, and hopefully much like um, Jupiter Ascending as well. Yes, our, our, our other, which our I think is stake in the ground. Do a rewatch, which I think is do a rewatch. Yeah, um, but but yeah, so it did okay. It did okay. Um, I, it just would have been nice if it had done a bit better. Where where Luke Besson said, um, yeah, we could do a sequel sometime if there's interest, but I'm not sure whether the financial backing would be there to make another one. No. It would it would cost a lot of his dollary dues. Yeah. Yeah. Um it could be could be could be tricky. But we'll we'll see. Who knows? Maybe in twenty years' time a de- a decrepit Luke Besson will be like, I'm making Valerian too. <laughs> and we're bringing back the original cast. Yes, of course. Ethan Hawke's here. Rihanna's not dead. <laughs> exactly. Dane DeHaan is now part cyborg because in 20 years' time we're going to have robots. Come on. Let's, oh, yeah, let's yeah. hope a little bit. Of course. Um, yeah, so, so is there anything else you wanted to say about Valerian? No, I, I think I've covered it. It's great. It's it's really, really good fun. It's insane. It's it's an assault on your eyes and you'll love every second of it. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's fair to say. Um, absolutely it is a real strange movie um bit of trivia there's over 200 different alien species um 
in this movie. Nice. And that's that, a big that's part of why of um, he felt he couldn't make it until that, until after he'd seen Avatar, right? Because even though in Avatar yes, they're all the yeah. same, it's still like he felt like it wasn't technically achievable to do all that. And I felt like he really invested in that side of it as well. Um, and that he kind of put that off until he felt like he could technically accomplish it. That just speaks to his level of ambition, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That That's what he wanted to achieve with this, um, with, with this film. Um, was actually being able to um, be, being able to uh, actually give it the the quality that it needed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, how are we going to rate this? Oh, wow. Well, how how many thousand planets are in your city? So I've got a solid sixteen thousand planets in my city. I've got an even bigger space city. Yeah, you've got the biggest one. No, I, I, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I, I concur. Sixteen out of a possible twenty thousand planets. That'd be the yeah. sequel, Valerian and the sixteen thousand planets. Yeah, that's what we that's what we want. Going up in going up in the sixteen times table with each yeah. other. <laughs> no, I am so glad we got around to watching this. We've been joking about it for so long. It was really, really, really good. Yeah. No, I enjoy I enjoyed it a lot. So what have we got next then? Well, it's it's a funny thing that I think every year since we've done this show, Valentine's Day has rolled around, and we've always been like, "Oh, we should do something that's related to Valentine's Day or watch that film Valentine's Day," and we never get round to it. So here it is, Valentine's Day, the film. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna um, shit post me then and say, "So here it is. It's Valentine's Day, and we're gonna watch." Beethoven's third or something like that. Don't tempt me. So this is the one with Julia Roberts in. Yeah, and right? a whole bunch of other people. The, I, the, I have seen it, but I can't really remember it. That's it's one of those ones where there's like 20 different plots. Yeah, a load of different plots with loads of really famous people and none of them are memorable. Yeah. Okay, I'm, Even though by the time it goes out, Valentine's Day will actually have passed, but it will, it will be within the same <laughs> week. So I feel like we finally did it. We finally have done it, yeah. Cool, yeah. okay. Um, before we go, I, I had a, a, a chat GPT surprise for you. So just before, I was going to do this at the beginning, but it was still working on it. So just before we started recording, I opened up chat GPT. This is the first time I've ever used it. And I said, write me the lyrics to a hit song by a mid-2000s British garage rock band from London called Wolf London and the Idiot Boys. Oh Listeners days. will remember this from, from previous episodes. <laughs> um, verse one. I'm cruising down the street with my boys in the back. We're living life like we're never going to look back. We're Wolf London and the Idiot Boys. Yeah, that's our name. We're playing music loud, feeling no shame. Dear God. Because Chorus. Because we're wild and we're free. We're living our dreams. We're tearing up the scene like a burst of gasoline. <laughs> we're the life of the party. <laughs> we're never going to stop. Wolf London and the Idiot Boys. We're on top. This is too good. <laughs> Verse two. We play our guitars like we're playing for our lives. We rock out all night under the city lights. We're young and we're reckless, but we don't give a damn. We'll keep playing music with our hearts on our hands. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Chorus. Yeah. Bridge. We're living life on the edge, but we're not scared. We're playing music like it's the only thing we care. Okay, that's. We're a force to be reckoned with and we won't back down. Wolf London in the Idiot Boys. We're the talk of this town. London. And then, oh, there's an outro. We're Wolf London and the Idiot Boys. We're never going to fade. We're playing music like our lives depend on it, and we'll never be afraid. There's a thing of beauty. Please send me that. Yeah. I want those lyrics. I think this is the best use of artificial intelligence <laughs> anyone's ever found. If we keep getting AI to write terrible shitpost music, is it going to 
like corrupt AI? Because if so, so yeah. I'm fully on board with it. That should be our aim. Well, I'm going to get it to write Wizard Cop next, so oh, we'll man. we'll see where that that goes. That's a really good idea. <laughs> and it's, as much as it scares me, that's also funny. So if you used the uh, what I'm saying is basically AI should only be used for shit posting. I mean, yeah, that that that's that's the key thing is that when AI images came out, there was loads of funny stuff that came out of the shit posting element, and then people started using it trying to do something serious, and that's when it all started being awful. And it should be the same with 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 using ChatGPT. Is using it for shit posting is the only valid way to use AI, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, all other uses will not be tolerated on this podcast. No. Shit posting only. <laughs> only shit posting is the only thing that's allowed. Yep. So there you go. There's a little 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 bonus treat for you. I'm if we so had a, if we had like a Patreon and you had to pay for our content, that would be the extra content you get. <laughs> so just be glad that we're not doing that and you don't have to pay for that. Yeah. It's all free. Everything's free, baby. Everything's free. <laughs> Groovy baby. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really really hope you have gone and watched Valerian and the City of a Thousand Plants because it is awesome. If you haven't seen it, please go and watch it now. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to tell us what you think of Luke Besson and his lovely films, yeah, no, keep keep us uh, keep us informed about what you would like to see next from from French directors wanting to make science fiction movies. How weird do you want it to get? How many space jellyfish do you want to see? Yeah, it's important to specify an actual number. Yeah, we want the specifics here because we're going to put it into AI to to yeah. write this script. To corrupt it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And um, there's a link in our show notes where you can give us money. It's just like a virtual tip jar. And we'll be back next week to talk about Valentine's Day. All righty. Not the holiday, but maybe the holiday as well. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. All righty. Bye-bye. Right. Bye.